And God, as we enter into this time together as a family, as a community of faith, would you enrich us? Would you provide us knowledge? Would you provide us blessing that we can go out and bless others in your name? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Last week we began a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, and I have been really excited about this for several months now. I've been planning and thinking about what I wanted to talk about and what we wanted to share as we went through this series, and so I'm so glad that we got to start this last week. I'm so glad that we're going to be going through this series for the next several weeks as we engage probably the most important sermon that Jesus ever preached, uh, maybe one of the most important lessons that we can still learn today as a church family and as a community of faith. Uh, last week we talked about the Beatitudes. We talked about the blessings that God gives, and we talked about the way Jesus enters this sermon. And it's an incredibly important uh, entrance into this sermon because Jesus starts by blessing people. He starts by looking to the people that are often overlooked, the people who often don't have much at all. And he says, these are the kinds of people that God is paying attention to. Uh, and then he calls us the salt of the, of the earth and the light of the world. And he says, if you want to be like me, uh, then you ought to bless those that I bless. And so we as Christians learn a lot from this opening section of the sermon. The first thing that we learned, uh, I'm just going to recap for us really quick. The first thing we talked about last week was that this sermon is not for everyone. Uh, And I really mean that when I say it, that when we hear this sermon, the words that Jesus preaches, that he teaches to us, uh, it's not just for anybody. It's for the people who take this calling seriously. The people who really want to learn what it means to follow Jesus. And then we follow that up by saying, even though the sermon is not for everyone, God is for everyone, and especially God is for the least expected, the people uh, that nobody else seems to be for, the poor and the meek, the hungry and the thirsty, those who are seeking after justice and righteousness. And so this week, we enter into the teachings of Christ. Jesus starts with blessing. He wants us to know that this is the beginning of it, that God is blessing the world, and now he's going to begin to teach us how to live, how we ought to behave, what we ought to do as followers of Jesus. But before I dive into Matthew chapter 5, I just want to say welcome. Uh, If you're here for the first time this morning, I'm so glad that you've chosen to worship with us. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, This is an incredibly uh, important time for us every week to get together and worship the God uh, that is the creator of everything, that's the creator of you and I. And so I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, If this is your 500th time here, uh, welcome. I'm so glad that you're back. If it's your 1,000th time, if you don't even know how many times you've been here, welcome this morning. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, I want to start by saying, uh, uh, we mentioned a couple weeks ago that our staff has reorganized our roles just a little bit. Uh, And so part of that, uh, as this new year, 2018, has begun, uh, means that I'm uh, the teaching and curriculum minister here at Skillman, uh, which is just a fancy word for Uh, that means that you get to write your emails about how bad the sermon was uh, to me. Uh, And so uh, please don't do that. Um, uh, Write it to matt.hurley at Uh, skillmanchurch.org. But uh, I really am excited about uh, talking about what Jesus thought was important. Uh, Because this is, uh, as I was getting ready for this year and planning out the sermon series and things like that, I thought that this was uh, the thing that I was going to be most excited to preach about uh, as we started the year. Because uh, the words of Jesus, uh, what he teaches in this sermon, uh, they're not new. They're not new teachings, but they are incredibly foundational for who we are. Uh, They're so important for us. And so as we dive into this, as we begin uh, to look at Matthew chapter 5, and and we'll get there in just a second, uh, I want us to to approach this sermon with fresh eyes. Uh, Perhaps this morning it's your first time to walk through these doors. Perhaps it's the first time that you've ever read this sermon. Uh, And if so, then you are reading it exactly the way that I want us to read it this morning. Uh, If this is your 500th or 1,000th, or you don't even know how many times this is uh, with us this morning, uh, I want us to, to read this passage of Scripture as if for the first time. 
this morning. Because what Jesus is asking his disciples to do, what he's encouraging them to do as he begins this teaching, is to, to listen to the things that they thought they knew and to hear freshly the word of God. And so, uh, with no further ado, I'd like for us to turn over and read Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 17. Uh, And we're going to read the first two sections of this uh, last half of chapter 5. I I want us to to kind of read this opening section and the following section. And and then I'll come back and I'll make reference to the rest of this chapter as we go uh, through the sermon today. Uh, but, But listen to these words as if for the first time hearing them. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law. Or the prophets. I've come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you're angry with a brother or sister, you're liable to judgment, and if you insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. So when you're offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you'll be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So I want us to stop there and pause because this is a great opportunity for us to just kind of capture what Jesus is talking about in these two sections. He begins uh, by saying, I affirm the law. Uh, And this is incredibly important because he's talking uh, to his disciples. His disciples are people who have grown up their entire lives uh, listening and reading scripture, uh, hearing the words words that, that come from the law of Moses and applying it to their lives. If there was anything about them that defined them as a people, it was the law. That was the single most important thing, to define them as a group of people, to define them as individuals. They were people of the law. They followed the law. They listened and obeyed the law. This was what set them apart as God's people, that they were doing the will of God, that they were following uh, what God instructed them to do. And so when Jesus comes to this part of the sermon, he's blessed his followers, particularly the, the unexpected people. And then he begins to teach them with, uh, with you know, we're going to talk about ethics. We're going to talk about morality. And, and these are the things that you need to put into practice if you're going to follow me. And the first thing he says is, I'm not getting rid of the law. I've not come to abolish it. I've come to fulfill it. But then in the next section, pay attention to what Jesus does. Because he says, you've heard that it was said. You've heard that it said, don't murder. And this morning, I certainly want to affirm the law. Uh, murder is not, you can't condone it. It's not good. Jesus is, is not saying that we're going to go down this path. Murder's bad. Uh, but you've heard that it was said, don't murder. But I tell you. See, what Jesus does is he, he listens to the law. He interprets the law. He sees what the law of Moses says. He says, you shouldn't murder. But I'm going to go one step further. You've heard that it was said, but I tell you. Even those who are angry with their brother or sister are in danger. See, what Jesus is doing here is he's not getting rid of the law, but he's letting us in on a secret. 
a secret that's so important to understand the life of faith, that the law of Moses is not the way of Jesus. That's not to say that the law is bad. That's not to say that we should ignore the law. Jesus actually intensifies the law. He says, you've heard that it was said, do this, but I tell you, I'm going to take it one step further. You shouldn't even get angry with someone. Now, uh, I have a confession to make to you this morning. Uh, I am uh, occasionally prone to anger. Uh, I I have to confess it to you this morning. But Jesus says, don't be angry with your brother and sister. I woke up this morning, uh, and I woke up angry because it was morning, and that meant that I no longer got to sleep anymore. Uh, Does anybody else uh, wake up angry sometimes? And the crazy thing is, I'm a morning person, too. I prefer the morning, uh, but I woke up angry. It was, ah, I don't get to sleep anymore. So what's Jesus' point here? Is he saying that we can't ever experience anger? No. Notice what Jesus goes on to say. He says, when you are angry, pay attention to what you do. Don't go to worship angry. And in fact, if you're angry with a brother or sister and you go to worship, you should stop. And instead, go and be reconciled. Then come back and worship. So Jesus isn't saying that you can't ever be angry. In fact, in several places in the Gospels, we see Jesus experience anger. We see Jesus share his anger and frustration. And and most often, it's whenever there's some injustice going on. Whenever uh, people who are poor are being marginalized and and they're being uh, asked to pay more than they ought to just in order to be present to worship God. So we, we hear the story of Jesus turning tables over in the temple. And he's angry at the injustice of it. He wants all people to be welcomed into the temple of God, to be able to come and worship God as they're able. So anger is not a bad emotion. It's not sinful to be angry, but Jesus says, when you're angry, watch out what you do. If you take it out on someone else, if you come to worship and you aren't reconciled with your brother or sister, you're in danger. Jesus goes on. He says, for those who lust... For those who are tempted to break apart a covenant. For those who are tempted to break a promise. For those who are tempted to take revenge. For those who have lots of enemies. This is the way you ought to live. Jesus says, the law of Moses is not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is calling us to something deeper. To something greater. In the book of Romans, Paul is writing to a church. Paul says in Romans chapter 10. In fact, throughout the entire book of Romans, Paul has been trying to make this argument to to help people understand what they ought to do as followers of Christ. He says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire is for Israel's salvation. Stop right there and think, because this is what Jesus is talking about. He's talking to his disciples, to people who are of the nation of Israel, to to people who are Jewish, and he says, this is what it means to follow me, to look like God. Paul's desire is for Israel's salvation. And yet, this is what Paul says after. My prayer to God for them, I can vouch for them, they are enthusiastic about God. However, it's not informed by knowledge. They don't submit to God's righteousness because they understand They don't understand his righteousness, and they try to establish their own righteousness. Christ is the goal of the law, which leads to righteousness for all who have faith in God. Jesus is taking the law, and he's interpreting it, and he's sharing it freshly 
for the first time with his disciples. It's not a new teaching, but it's a teaching that they need to understand that if you are going to take seriously this call to follow Christ, if you are going to become like Jesus, you need to know that the law is not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus calls us to perfection. At the end of chapter 5, Jesus says these words, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let me just say, I'm so grateful for the words of Paul in Romans chapter 10, because Paul lets us know that it's, it, even though we all try and do this by our own righteousness, even though we're all trying to do it based upon what we can do, we'll never make it. We'll never do enough good. We'll never be perfect. But Jesus calls us to perfection. That's a difficult teaching, isn't it? It's difficult to be perfect, if not impossible. And yet notice what Jesus says. Be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Paul says that the goal of the law is for us to see Christ. Christ, the one who is the perfect image of the Father made human. The one who is an example to us of what it means to follow God in the midst of our humanity, in the midst of our fallenness. Jesus lives in such a way to show us that to become like Christ is to become perfect like our Heavenly Father. This is the image that Jesus wants us to capture. Not that we can do this on our own, but it's that it's only through Christ that we can become perfect as our Heavenly Father. And it's so important for us to, to understand this because Jesus is calling us into a radical new kingdom, a kingdom that is not like anything we've ever seen before on this earth, a kingdom that calls us to give up everything about ourselves and to completely change who we are to become like Christ. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. In other words, become like Jesus and you'll become like the Father. Jesus, when he begins to teach us and begins to show us what it means to be followers, lets us know, if you want to become like God, then come and follow me. To be perfect is to become like Christ. To be perfect is to become like our Father. What an opportunity for us in our world around us, in our daily lives, amongst our family members and friends, to show them the love of Christ that's at work in us. Not because we ourselves are perfect, but because Christ is working within us and we are becoming more and more like Jesus each and every day. Jesus says, you want to know what it looks like? You've heard to do this or not to do that? Well, I tell you, be perfect. Come and be like me. There was a movie that was released several years ago called Remember the Titans. Uh, it's a movie that my wife and I like to watch uh, quite a bit. And in this movie, uh, it is centered around and focused on a football team from Virginia in the 1970s. This football team underwent enormous challenges because this was the first year that their school went from being segregated to being integrated. Black and white students coming together in one school. And so the coach of this football team, played by Denzel Washington, has a task ahead of him. 
His task is to integrate players who have never played before, who have never even been in the same community before, who have only ever known what it means to hate one another, and to bring them together as one team. And so early in the movie, the coach demands of his team to be perfect. They're going to be perfect in every aspect of the game, and it's only when they're perfect that they will come together as a football team, that they'll come together and achieve victory. He demands perfection of them. Throughout the course of the movie, we see these young men on this football team, even the young men and women that are part of the school, struggling to understand what it means to come together, to be brought together in this new place where where students who had never been in the same place, never liked each other, are coming together and sharing space with one another. And as the movie progresses, we begin to see this football team slowly change and transform the school and the town that they're in because they're seeking perfection. And they'll never get there unless they come together. In one of the last scenes of the movie, the team is in the state championship game. They have been perfect up until this point. They've won every game, and it's halftime, and they're losing. And the coach comes into the room and he says, I can see how hard you're working. I can see how much you've accomplished. And if we don't win this game, that's okay. It'll be enough for me. And one of the players speaks up and says, it's not enough because you demanded perfection of us. Players rally around his statement. They come back and they win the game. They attain perfection, winning the state championship. At the end of the movie, one of the players has passed away. And the team is coming back together after years apart. Because they were made perfect in that moment. Remember, the Titans is not told from a Christian perspective. It's not told, it's not given to a Christian audience. But what a message that they learned from Christ. That it is only in coming together, under the name of Christ, that perfection is possible. And when you do, everything changes. Football teams, high schools, towns, worlds are changed. Church, Jesus gives us this lesson. He begins to teach us what it means to be followers of Jesus, not because we can do this on our own, but because he's calling us to something deeper and something greater, to the perfection of becoming like Christ, who shows us who the Father is. In every aspect of our lives, may we seek to become like Jesus. May we seek to become like Christ. What have you heard, church? Have you heard of the way of Jesus. This morning, we're going to continue worshiping. And as we do, if you'd like some time to spend in prayer, our elders and their wives are going to gather around the room, and we invite you to come and spend time with them in prayer. This morning, if you'd like to know what it means to follow the way of Jesus, if you'd like to continue to seek that out in your own life, I'd be uh, more than happy to talk with you down front. Uh, If you'd like to be baptized, please come as we stand and sing together.